Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. We are here just waiting for the Lord to move in our lives. Amen. And I forgot to take my, excuse me. I have put a cough drop. I, had, I was chewing some gum and it just dried out my mouth. And someone told me, just put a cough drop. I'm like, good, good thing. So I put a cough drop and I'm trying to, trying to uh, use it all up and stuff. And I had it in my mouth, but I could have probably ministered with it. But it is good to be in the house of the Lord, especially with ladies who love the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you don't know me, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Letty Lopez. I am married to Pastor Omar. This year, that doesn't look good. This year, we're going to be married 40 years. I can't believe it. Amen. But I thank God that my marriage, our marriage is not perfect. I thank him. And I love my husband so much, and he is all mine. I do have three sons, Omar, Isaiah, and Jacob, two daughter-in-laws, Angie and Linda, and soon to be three with Bree. Brianna is going to be marrying my son, Omar. We are so excited for them. They're going to be married in a few months, and I'm finally going to be an empty nester. And my husband cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot forget about my three daughter-in-laws, my three daughter-in-laws, my three granddaughters, Bella, Eliana, and my little Natalie. They are my heart and I love them so much. I miss my girls in Texas so much. But it is a privilege to stand before this pulpit to deliver a word. But I just wanna say something, it is not easy for me to put a message together, to organize my thoughts, put them down on paper, and then deliver it. I complain to my husband. I tell him, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. And in his great wisdom, he says, you got this. That's my husband for you. Amen. But you know what? I also want to say that I used to struggle with a fear of standing in front of people. I no longer do. God has set me free. But you know what? Occasionally, it tries to creep up, and I just got to say, nope, I've been delivered. I've been delivered in Jesus' name. But I believe the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. His presence is already here, and that's all we need, right? Let's just go before the Lord. Father, we just love you, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for this time that we have, Lord. I pray that the words, Lord, that are going to come forth, Lord, that they're going to penetrate, God. Lord, that you would just begin to move in this place like never before. I pray, Father, for any wall to be broken down right now. Soften the heart, Father, that is hard. I pray that you would move in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to start with Genesis 12, 1. I'm just going to jump into it. Genesis 12, 1. Then the Lord told Abram, leave your country and relatives and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. Verse 4. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. I'm going to kind of tell you the little bit of the story. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household. And in chapter 13 it says, And Abraham was rich in his livestock, silver and gold. Lot was also wealthy with sheep, cattle, and tents. And the land could not support both of them. So arguments broke out between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of, of Lot. Abraham talked it over with Lot and said, you know what? Pick whatever land you want, your first choice. So Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom, where it was a well-watered plain. But the people in this area were unusually wicked, and they sinned greatly against the Lord. Abraham had a special relationship with God. God gave him insight of what he's going to do. He was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham pleaded with the Lord. Remember, he has family there in Sodom. He told him, what if there was 50 righteous? Would you spare the city? And the Lord said, I would spare the city. And he said, well, what if there was 40? What about 30? What about 20? Kept pushing it. What about 10, Lord? What if there was 10 righteous? Will you destroy it? He goes, I won't destroy it. But there was not even 10 righteous. Pretty wicked. In Genesis 19, two men had come into the city, appeared to be angels. Lot sees them and wants to take them inside his home. And they said, no, it's okay. We'll stay out here in the city square. And Lot says, no, you need to come home with me. Because he knows what goes on at night. The story continues. All the men in the city, young and old, surrounded the house and demanded to Lot. Now, these were fathers. These were sons. These were nephews. Bring out those men so we can have sex with them. This is in the Bible, ladies. Lot comes out to try to calm them down. And he offers his two daughters, his virgin daughters, but it seems that Lot was pretty demented in his brain to offer his daughters. But they didn't want them. They wanted the men. Pretty wicked. The angels opened the door to pull Lot in. They sealed the door. And they also blinded the men of Sodom so that they could not find the doorway. Let's read in to Genesis 19, 12 through 17. It says this. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? The angels asked. Get them out of this place. Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we will destroy the city completely. The stench of the Lord. The stench of this place has reached the Lord. And he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés. Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is going to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. That's what happens today. We go out and tell people about the Lord, that he's coming back, and they think we're joking. And they think they don't even believe us. And they say, well, we got time. We got time. Verse 15, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters. 
who are here. Get out of here right now, or you will be caught in destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized the daughter and, and, and his wife, and um, they rushed out of safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. Verse 17, run for your lives, the angels warned. Do not stop anywhere in the valley and don't look back. Escape to the mountains or you will die. In verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back as she followed along behind him and she became a pillar of salt. In Luke 17, 32, Jesus says three words. Remember Lot's wife. If you want a title to this message, is no turning back. Remember Lot's wife. We don't know her name, her story. All we know is that she was fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, and she was told not to look back. She did the very thing that she was asked not to do. She looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. We are to keep moving forward. We can't stop the flow of time. We can't stop the flow of our lives. Looking back doesn't enable us to go back. It just makes us stuck in a place, in a space, in a memory, in a mindset. There's no change. There's no movement. You become stagnant and stale. But what was Lot's wife longing for? What was back there? She was probably thinking of all the stuff she left behind, all the people who were there, the parties that she went to, all her comadres that she would gossip with. <coughs> she was supposed to move forward. She disobeyed and looked back. She got stuck, literally, and turned into a pillar of salt. Today, you received a white stone. Put it somewhere as a reminder not to go back. Remember Lot's wife. What is causing you to look back? What is drawing you to look back? The pool of the world is really real. I tell people it's like a vacuum. If you're not holding on to God, it's going to suck you right in. Are you remembering how it used to be? Only the good highlights are going to come out. Just like Instagram, all the good stuff comes out. And it doesn't show you, you know, the messed up life you are without Christ. Are you stuck in a disappointment, a betrayal, an offense, a bitterness? These are chains. These are chains that stop us from moving forward. Or at least it slows us down. I don't want to be insensitive. But are you stuck in the past abuse? It could be verbal. It could be a physical. It could be mental. I am so sorry it happened to you. I really am. But don't let that stop you from moving forward. Live in the present there are so many gifts in front of you. You need to get some help. Let Jesus heal your heart. 
The pain of having a miscarriage I know too well. Losing my twin boys at six months pregnant. Once in a lifetime to be pregnant with twins and it's gone. But I thank God that I didn't allow myself to stay there and set up a monument, a reminder of what happened. I will never forget what happened. I was a pastor's wife. I did all the right things. We're pastoring a church. I'm serving God, but it can happen to anybody. I was nobody special. I was heartbroken when I'm losing my babies, but I couldn't stay there. I felt the prayers of the people. I felt the Holy Spirit comforting me, but I had to move forward. You know what I did when I came back to church? Remember, I had a fear of standing in front of people. So what I did was, when I came back to church, I joined the worship team. That was pretty courageous of me, just up. I'm just going to do it. Because I didn't want to get stuck. I needed to move. I needed to move forward. I know of a family, not in this church, who lost their 21-year-old son in a car accident. And she set up a monument, a memorial in their home. Their son's pictures everywhere, candles everywhere. But this went on for years. She didn't allow herself to move forward. She was stuck in mourning. And it affected her marriage, and it affected the rest of her family. God don't want us there. God's promises are ahead of us. But after my miscarriage, God gave me Isaiah, my second child. Two kids in one. God had a sense of humor. He was a lot of work. But you know what? He was double joy. He made me laugh. I talked to my son Isaiah. He lives in Texas with my granddaughters there. And he tells me, man, these girls are wild. They have so much energy. And I just say, payback. <laughs> no, I don't say that. I just, say, I just try to encourage them. They're going to grow out of it. We need to look forward to Jesus, amen? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our hope is in him. And we cannot do anything without him. We need him in our lives. But the enemy knows that this time is short. He's trying to distract us any way he can. He's pretty desperate. This phone right here is an enemy of the tool. It can be an enemy of the tool if you use it for the wrong. It always allows you to contact people that were in the past, that were supposed to stay in the past, like old friends who had bad influence on you, old boyfriends that should stay in the past, especially you married women. You can't bring back old high school feelings. Unless, of course, you married your high school sweetheart, like I did. <laughs> but contacting them will bring a disaster in your marriage. You need to guard your marriage. Be careful what you're watching on this phone in the privacy of your home. Pornography is not just for men. Women get caught up in this mess as well. Young girls, stop sexting, texting nasty pictures. Oh, you don't want to get stuck in that bondage. It's a tool of the enemy to draw you away from God. 
It's the enemy's job to steal, to kill, and to destroy everything in your life. Don't let your guard down. You know, when I heard this verse, don't let your guard down, it reminded me of that song of, uh, who let the dogs out? I don't know why, it just came. So I started singing, don't let your guard down. No, 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 don't let your guard down. I hope it sticks. Exodus 2020. Let your fear of him keep you from sinning. The next time you want to sin, think about Exodus and exit right out of there. It is a healthy fear of the Lord to have a healthy fear of the Lord. What can we do with this phone is to share the light of Jesus, to share the love of Jesus with this dark world. You know, you can reach millions. We are the salt of the world. It's funny how Lot became the salt, the pillar of salt, but yet God calls us that we are the salt of the world to bring a purpose, to bring the good news to this hopeless generation, fixing our eyes on Jesus and not longing for what was. When I had my first son, Omar, I went to Lama's class and they taught me how to have a focal point when the hard labor was coming and I was to breathe into it. Well, I was focusing on something and I was breathing. It was a very hard labor there. But suddenly this nurse comes in front of my area that I'm looking at and I'm trying to see where it's at and I am losing it. And she has clouded my vision. It must have been a horrible sight. I was a crazy woman there. But what is clouding your vision? To look forward. Are you in a panic? Are you losing it? Is it a past relationship that is holding on, that you're holding on to? An unforgiveness? Is it a disappointment? Is it offense? A grief? These chains that can hold you back And he's the only one that can help you. So it's time to let go and let God. Say, let go and let God. (laughs) (sighs) Those chains are heavy. They are. Praise the Lord. Well, we need to, we need to uh, allow the Lord to use our lives. Someone needs to hear that. We need to trust God. You are safe in his promises. Because when you don't, when you don't let go and you go back, let me tell you what 2 Peter 2, 20, 21 and 22 says. It would be better if we had never known the right way to live than to know it and reject the holy commandments that were given to them. They make the Proverbs come true. A dog returns to its vomit and the washed pig to, returns to the mud. Peter used the dog as an example because dogs in that time were considered scavengers and unclean. The dog vomiting and then going back and eating it again, that's pretty gross. The reason, but the reason we vomit when we get sick, when we vomit, is because our body is rejecting something that could poison us, 
or it can bring harmful to us. This is the reason why it's coming up. But listen, but to go back to the very thing you were delivered from. To go back to a life of drinking and drugs. To a dysfunctional lifestyle. To go back to a poisonous, toxic relationship that is going nowhere. The next time you want to go back to this world, you're going back to your vomit. Have a picture of that. You're going back to the vomit. The Bible also says that God wants us hot or cold. He wants us all in, not halfway, or he will vomit. He's going to spit us right out. Peter says to the church, it's better for you to have not known than to know and still turn back on God. But since you guys already know the truth, right? There's no sense on going back. There was a moment when my son Jacob um, gave me a hard time in his teenage years. Sorry, Linda. It was a Sunday morning and I was sick. I could barely talk. I was really sick. He also stayed home because he was sick. He didn't know I stood home. Suddenly, I hear him getting up and getting ready and le gonna leave. I got up so fast, I knew in my spirit that he was up to no good. I caught him and I pleaded with him and I was practically yelling because I couldn't say anything. My voice was shot. I told him, the enemy is pulling on you. God has great plans for you. And he gets on his bike and takes off. I did what any mama would do. I got on my knees and I prayed for him and I pleaded for him. I said, God, please protect his foolishness. And that's what I'm telling you, each one of you. Please don't go back. Please push forward. Push forward through the trials of life. No matter how hard it gets, push forward. Talk to somebody. You're having problems, talk to somebody. And those that have been serving God for a while, don't give up. Don't get tired in doing good. It's cold on. It's all going to be worth it. Amen. It's like a fool returning to its folly. A fool ignorant and has no desire to, for righteousness. So he finds pleasure, comfort, and peace in the midst of their foolishness. Your destiny is before you and not behind you. Looking back, turning back, or going back will keep you from the very promises God has in store for you. But some of you would rather go back because it requires faith. All you need is a little bit of faith to trust and believe God. Don't be afraid. Don't allow the fear to override your faith. It will keep you frozen in time. Second Peter 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. There are some spiritual principles for moving forward spiritually and moving into a spiritual maturity. It's time to grow up. Say, it's time to grow up. Forgetting what lies behind in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone in Christ is a new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In the New Living Translation says this. What this means is that those who become Christians become a new person. They are not the same anymore. 
For the old life is gone, a new life has begun. Whatever happened in the past, whatever happened last year, we must let go of it. We must arise and move forward in God's promises. In Philippians 3.13, brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energy. See, it takes work. We have to do something. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Another spiritual principle is moving forward requires change. My husband's always constantly saying, change is my friend. Sometimes I don't like that friend. You might say, well, that's just the way I am. I don't want to change. That's just the way I am. Well, that may be the way you were. That may be how you are presently, but God loves you so much that he's not going to let you stay there. Amen. How many know when we come to God, just as we are, with all our hangups, with all our habits, with all our hurts and disappointments, but then we begin the process of transformation, right? We get these chains. We get these chains, and we need to learn to give them to the Lord. He is ready to take them from you. Allow the process to take place. You have been dealing with the same thing for years. And it's time to let them go. You have been stuck in a cycle. You're holding on to the chains, but you know what? God has already broken. Broken the chains for you, but you're still holding on to them. You just got to let it go. Say, let it go. Get them off of you. You don't need them anymore. In Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and the custom and the culture of this world. But let God transform you to a new person, changing the way you think. Because changing the way you think will change your actions. Then you will know that God wants what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing his perfect will really is. Walking with God in this Christian life is an adventure. The Bible compares to it as a race. Have you ever seen the obstacle course? You can put that picture up. The obstacle course, maybe you're familiar with the mud run. Amen. There's many obstacles here. Where is that picture at? Where's my people? Well, anyways. There's many obstacles in there. You, you kind of climb the wall to get up there. Um, and I know uh, Liz and Jen always go to the mud runs and they're helping each other out. They're cheering each other on. Says, yes, come on, you can do it. They're climbing the ropes. They're going in the mud underneath water. And just to get, just to, you know, to finish that race, we as Christians need to help each other out. When we're going through struggles, help each other out. Through every trial we go through, and in this journey, what's going to help us is to be filled up in his word. It reminds me of a story in 1 Kings. You can go there later. You can read it to yourselves. But we have the prophet here, Elijah, whom God used mightily. 
King Ahab and Queen Jezebel didn't like what Elijah did. He had 450 of their Baal prophets killed. So Jezebel sent Elijah a message. I'm going to kill you. That's all he said. I'm going to kill you. Well, she said. Sometimes it takes a, sometimes a word of discouragement to us. It can be a word of, you're dumb. You're not that pretty. You don't sing too good. You need to lose weight. Words can crush us. With Elijah, he was afraid and he fled for his life. And he went alone to the desert. When we get discouraged, we tend to isolate ourselves and start thinking, no one likes me. You need to stop it right now. You need to turn to your neighbor and say, you need to stop. You need to turn to your other neighbor and say, you need to stop. Okay, that covers everybody. But there might be that one person that is talking nonsense. But the rest of us, we like you. Don't let one discouraged word make you want to quit. There's no quitters in the kingdom of God. There is only warriors. Sisters, we need to watch out for each other. You see your friend that is discouraged, build her up. Don't wait till her leader, you know, talks with them. You see something, you say something. And leaders don't get territory over people. They're God's people, right? As long as they get the help they need. But for as Elijah, he went under a broom tree in the desert and he prayed that he might die because he had enough. I was there many years ago. I had the pressures of life. I'm raising three boys and I'm fostering my two uh, uh, nieces' boys for a time. And my hormones were all over the place. I was crying. I was a mess. I told God, I don't care if I die. But after I heard what I said, I changed my mind. <laughs> Seriously. And I thank God, God snapped me out of my thinking and I repented quickly. What was I thinking? Tell you, those, those hormones are pretty, pretty crazy. That was a dark moment in my life. Not a time, but just a moment. Amen? But I'm so glad that I opened up to a pastor friend and I talked with her and she just, she helped me through it. Sisters, when you go through it, you need to talk to somebody. Don't isolate yourself. Don't keep it in with you. You need to let somebody else know. You know, if you feel overwhelmed, believe me, it helps to talk to somebody. Well, Elijah fell asleep under the tree and the angel of the Lord touched him. And he said, get up and eat and drink. And he fell asleep again. Again, the angel of the Lord touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is long. There are times when we've had enough. Isn't that right? When we want to get away when life's too much. But sometimes all it needs is a good meal and a good night's sleep. And the morning seems really good. You got to try that sometimes. God will lovingly care for our needs just as he provided food and water for Elijah. The angel told Elijah, eat and drink for the journey is long. The word of God is our food. 
right here. The word of God is our food and it strengthens us. It strengthens us. Eat of it for our journey. Our life is long. His word is what's going to sustain us. It brings guidance. It brings direction. It is the lamp unto our feet. And it brings correction when needs to be. It brings life into these dry bones. When you're feeling blah, keep reading in obedience. Soon enough, God will snap you out of your funk. Amen? And it keeps you from going back. Let God refresh you with his word and with his presence. Let him overwhelm you with his goodness. Make a habit of getting up early in the morning and, and reading his word and spending time in his presence. Get yourself some coffee, some tea. Make it a thing. You might say, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, go to sleep a little early. Maybe you can get up early. <laughs> or maybe you say, um, I like to read at night. Well, that's good if you do it, if you're consistent. But I don't know about you, at the end of the night, I get kind of tired and I just kind of want to chill. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep in the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Talk about going deep. We cannot hide from him. God knows all things. God speaks to us through his word. When we're looking into his word, the Bible, we're looking at God. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Many search for a prophetic word from someone, but if only we would open up his word and read it. He'll reveal his promises to you. We need to stand on his word. Stand on his promises. We need to declare his word over our lives. Whenever we speak something, either good or bad, we give life to what we are saying. Too many people say negative things about themselves, about their families, and about their future. In Proverbs 18, 20, 21, in the Amplified Version says this, a man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequences of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, indulge in it and will eat of its fruit, fruit and bear the consequences of their words. We need to declare good things over our lives. With our mouths, we need to speak it out. That's why when I spoke it out of my mouth, I heard it, and it was not good. I said, oh, God, no. I changed my mind, Lord. I'm so sorry. I told the Lord, I am so sorry. Mm. I'm going to show a little clip right now. Declaring good things over our lives. Good morning, Jesus. Today I declare, I am love, I am joy, I'm covered by the blood, I'm faithful, I am spiritual, mm -hmm, Okay. I am strong, Yes. I'm handsome, oh, yes. I am courageous, Ooh, okay. I am a 
helpful. Oh. I'm a student. I'm a leader. I'm a servant. Oh, okay. And you um, love I me. Am... And you love me. A fixer? And you love me. I am a human. Do you want to say I love sister? Because you say me. I love my sister. Okay. I kiss her on the cheek. You kiss her on the cheek? Okay. My mouth. I am a... That is so beautiful. Amen. Cindy, you are doing a great job. Great job. Mamas, you are doing a great job. Don't give up. What you're doing, all you're sacrificing, everything, when you feel like, ah, oh, I can't do it no more, continue on. Continue on. Hold on to that. God's blessing is going to be upon your life. Don't give up. It's all going to be worth it. Right now, they're little. They're in stages. Mine are not little no more. They're gone. But I thank God that I was able to raise them and teach them the things of God and to pray for them. Never give up praying for your kids. Never give up praying for your kids. Here's a mama raising her children to declare good things over their lives. We as women need to teach the next generation to declare God's word over their lives. With so much junk going on in the world, we need to bring clarity of who they are. Because if you don't, the world is. James 125 of the Amplified Version. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He who blessed, he will be blessed and favored by God and what he does in his life of obedience. This is the secret of happiness right there in that verse. You hear the word of God. You study the word of God. You do the word of God. You obey the word of God. You don't forget, but you memorize the word of God. All the things you need to do in the word are right there in that verse. James 1.25. You hear, you study, you do, you obey, you memorize. You hear, you study, you do, you obey, you memorize. That's what you need to do. That's what it means to fill your mind Fill your mind with his word. And there's no room to think to going back. We got to remember today. Don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. Drop the chains. What's holding you down. Let God transform your life. Let go and let God. Speak words of life. And get filled up in his word. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.